Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dolan Thomas, and today we're going to talk about the planning fallacy. And uh, basically, it's how we're really bad at estimating how long it's going to take us to do something. Um, the uh, sort of classic example is called Hofstadter's Law, and Hofstadter's Law states that it always takes longer than you expect, even when you take into account Hofstadter's Law. So... Um, the experiment that kind of illustrates this, they had these um, college seniors or grad students uh, basically ask them, how long is it going to take you to do your senior thesis? And they estimated, right, um, like 33.9 days was the average estimate, but when you look at how long it actually took them, on average it was 55.5 days. So, um, and you can see this again and again in lots of different, you know, studies and examples. And a classic real-world example is the Sydney Opera House, you know, which is gorgeous, but it was a decade late, smaller than they thought it would be, and it went from a $7 million budget to over a $100 million budget. So that's a bit of a bump there. Um, but you know, these, these, these things, these things happen. Um, and here's the thing, right? It doesn't matter if you know how badly you did at that task the last time, right? If you know it took you, I turned it in a week late the last time, but this time it's going to be fine. I can ask you the same thing and say, okay, how long is it going to take you to do your taxes? When are you going to get them finished? And you'll say, oh, I'm going to get them in on time this time. And actually ends up being a week later. This is an actual experiment they did with, um, I think it was uh, Canadian taxpayers, and they filed their returns late, just like they did the first time, um, and they just didn't, you know, take into account their past performance. Um, and part of what's happening is, you know, when we estimate how long it's going to take us to do something, most of the time we don't actually think much about how long it took the, 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 the first time. We rely on our imagination, not our experience, right? We think about how easy we want the task to be and like when we want it to be done, and that's more or less how we angle our minds to say that's what it's going to be. Um, and uh, part of the, the problem is, and this gets a little into Kahneman and Tversky, and they're the ones who actually found this. And like I said, I'm still plowing my way through um, Thinking Fast and Slow, but like the actual title, Thinking Fast and Slow, right? There's sort of, you know, this like fast system of thinking and the slower system of thinking. And when we're asked how long we think it's going to take us to do something, there's an answer that relies on really thinking about past performance, thinking about obstacles, thinking about compound probabilities, which is to say, if you ask me how long it's going to take to go to the store and back, um, uh, I could think about, okay, well, that's going to require getting into the car and it's going to require going, you know, and driving out there and like, and, uh, getting into the store and all these things, right? There's a typical way those things happen, but then there's the, oh, I'm actually out of gas and I have to go um, get gas first. And, or there's the, oh, I didn't expect there to be this many traffic lights, or I didn't expect it to be this hard to find a parking space, right? Those are all different probabilities that if you add them all up, all of a sudden a 15 minute task goes to being a half hour or even an hour, right? But we're not good at thinking about those compound probabilities. What we are good at is saying, hmm, I'd be nice if it only took about 15 minutes to go to the store. So instead of answering the question, um, how long will it take me to go to the store? I answer the question, how long would I like for it to take me to go to the store? Uh, I think I'd like for it to take me about 15 minutes. So that's my answer. Um, so that's one reason this happens. Another one is that there's uh, what's called the authorization imperative. So if like 
my boss is asking me or if the, you know, person who's like contracting me to work on their house is asking me, like I might be incentivized to do what's called strategic misrepresentation or, you know, lying um, to say, oh yeah, we can finish this in that amount of time because that's the answer I think they want to hear. And it's easier for me to say, oh, you know, it's the whole ask for, um, easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? So rather than say, oh yeah, it's going to take this really long time. Will you give me permission to take a, but I think you'll think as a ridiculously long amount of time. Instead, I'll give you an answer I think you'll like, and then say, oh, please forgive me. This happened, that happened. I didn't expect it, right? So that's, you know, another reason uh, we tend to be bad at that. Um, and sometimes there can be monetary incentives, right, to get things done earlier. So you'll just say that's when I think it's going to happen, right? And interestingly, power or feeling that you're in a position of power exacerbates this fallacy, right? Um, and uh, it's not clear why, but basically, if you feel you have more power, if you feel your decision is going to have more power, you tend to ignore again, things like compound probabilities or past performance, and you just say, yeah, we're going to get this done in this amount of time, um, and because I'm powerful, right? It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you're focusing on your power in that situation, not on any of the other things that actually impact how long it's going to take to do something. Now, this is an interesting uh, bias because it seems to actually have lots of different ways that you can counteract it, unlike many of the biases we've looked at on this podcast so far. So one thing you can do is if there's any kind of like anonymity around giving the estimate, so in other words, if you don't have to say, I, David Thomas, say it will take this long to go to the store, but you just sort of say, okay, you're just going to put an estimate for going to the store into a bucket and no one's going to see who said it, you'll actually be more accurate because you're not trying to impress anybody, right? No one's going to attribute that prediction to you, so you don't have to impress anyone with how fast you can go to the store. Um, so that's one thing. Anonymity can reduce the effect. Um, segmentation kind of helps if you think about the individual pieces of the tasks. Um, and this is something that comes into effect with, uh, we've talked about this a little before, but with agile methodology, which takes larger initiatives and breaks them down into smaller tasks. And you end up with more accurate estimates when you do it that way, because you're thinking, you start to do some of that, you know, um, what they call in thinking fast and slow, system two thinking, right? The more calculation around compound probabilities because you're looking at these individual pieces. Um, another one that helps is to consider three obstacles, right? What are three things that might go wrong, right? If you do that, you tend to come up with better, more accurate uh, predictions. And what's interesting about this is like the number three is significant, right? It, it has to be a small number. And later on, we'll talk about the availability heuristic, but basically... Because it's relatively easy to think of three things that could go wrong, your mind will assume, well, hmm, if I could easily think of three things that could go wrong, there's probably a lot more things that could go wrong. This is going to take longer than I think, right? On the other hand, if I asked you to think of like 12 or 13 things that could go wrong, after a while it would get really difficult to think of things that could go wrong. And because your mind then says, hmm, it was really hard to think of things that could go wrong. I bet this is going to go great. It actually flips itself. So we'll go into that more when we talk about the availability heuristic. But weirdly, another thing you can do to get an accurate prediction is to try to think of like 12 things that could go right. <laughs> because again, by the time you get to the end of those 12 things, your, your mind goes, hmm, it's really hard to think of things that could go right. I bet this is going to take longer than I think. Um, so it's an interesting like convergence of biases there, uh, but it's it's and it's neat because you're kind of using one bias to counter another. Um, 
So that's kind of fun. Um, another thing that helps is if you estimate like in larger chunks of time, so instead of asking how many days will it take you to complete this, ask how many weeks, you will estimate a higher number, right? Um, and if you have to re, um, re-estimate, again, in larger chunks, you'll estimate, you know, a, a, you're, they call it an anchor. Like, you'll, you'll move further away from the anchor because you're dealing with a bigger chunk of time. So you can potentially get better estimates. Um, and another thing they talk about is this intentionality, where if you are forced to think about the time and the place that you're actually going to do all these tasks, that also tends to dissipate the fallacy. So for once, I'm able to give you some good news, some concrete steps toward avoid, avoiding a very, very common fallacy, a very common bias. Um, so we'll chalk that up for a win. Um, so uh, that is all for uh, this installment of the Cognitive Bias Podcast. Uh, my name is David Dylan Thomas, and I will see you next time.